0: Welcome to Pushing the Limits with your host, Lisa Tarmaty, where it's all about health optimization, anti-aging, longevity, and being the very best you can be. Brought to you by lisatarmaty.com.
1: Hey everyone and welcome back in. Today I have Dr. Dave Jenkins to guest. Now, Dr. Dave, I became aware of his work after interviewing Dr. Dale Bredesen, who I had on the show recently, who is a world-renowned expert in Alzheimer's and dementia and brain health, Uh, and he mentioned to me about Dr. Dave Jenkins, who is a New Zealand doctor who is an expert also in the Bredesen protocol, Uh, and he is also... One of these doctors that's in the trenches, really doing some amazing things, not only with dementia, but also with diabetes, working with uh, Maori iwi over here and doing pilot studies and clinical research and and, uh, lots of other things. He's also the founder of SurfAid International. Um, He's a person with a big heart um, and done a lot of good in this world and I just really wanted to meet Dr. Dave and and share some of his expertise with you around uh, Alzheimer's, dementia, uh, around diabetes, around metabolic health and all the the things that could be a benefit to you listening out there. This metabolic piece of the puzzle is just again and again and again. This is at the root of so many uh, of the problems that we're facing with ageing. Um, stems from metabolic dysregulation and glucose and insu- uh, insulin uh, insulin resistance uh, before even getting to pre-diabetes, diabetes. So trying to understand some of these concepts is really, really amazing. We also talk about toxins and their role in dementia and how you can do a very, very cheap or almost free uh, test online to uh, look at your visual contrast uh, Uh, and whether you have good visual contrast because that's one of the indicators that something might be going awry in your brain if you don't have that. So do listen up. There's lots of tools and and things that you might want to implement in your life after listening to this episode and it follows on from the episode with Dr. Dale Bredesen recently. So I do highly recommend that you go back and listen to that as well. Uh, Before we head over to the show, please give us a rating or review and if you uh, don't mind subscribing to our YouTube channel, if you're listening on there, please subscribe. If you're the podcast, go and check out the YouTube channel as well because we've got over 600 villi- videos on there, 1.5 million views and thousands and thousands of subscribers now and it's really great to get some, uh, you know, good stuff going over on that channel as well. And head on over if you want to support the show and the work that I do uh, to com where you can, for the price of a cup of coffee or two a month, you can support me and my team in helping keeping this good information to air. Don't forget also to check out all the programs, DNA testing, epigenetics, health consulting, uh, speaking, motivational speaking, corporate wellness programs, as well as our anti-aging and longevity curated uh, supplement range. And stay tuned for new things coming up in the future. I won't give it away yet. So now over to the show with Dr. Dave Jenkins. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome back to Pushing the Limits. Today, I have the amazing Dr. Dave Jenkins with me, who is, has had a bit of a drama this week. Dave, tell us a little bit what's going on in your world.
0: Uh, well, we live in a beach called Makauri, a little, uh, little outpost of Gisborne uh, on the east coast. And after eight days of rain, uh, we noticed that the door wasn't, we woke up and the door handle wasn't closed, the doors weren't closing properly. And sure enough, the house had started slipping down the, the, the kind of incline. It wasn't oh. really too much of it. But apparently, uh, six houses around us all had the same thing, and we've just been red-stickered and had to oh. get out of the house uh, very quickly. So I'm looking around. Uh, fortunately, a friend of mine's uh, beach house batch that they rent out is, was free, so we're now in their place. With- oh, man. Yeah, chaos <laughs> ensues. So yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry about that. And 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 despite that, you've turned up for the podcast today, <laughs> which is really impressive. So so thank you. Cause you're obviously your world's about to turn upside down trying to sort that mess out, I should imagine. So that you're yeah. still dedicated to your actual cause and what we're here to talk about today. So yeah. well, all the best to you, Mickey. Hopefully hopefully um the insurance company will put things right, I hope. Um uh, we hope. No, we hope so. Um. So, Dr. Dave Jenkins, see, you have. Uh, I had Dr. Dale Bredesen on the podcast. uh Just a. Uh, 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 was it last week? Yeah, last week. And of course, he is an expert on Alzheimer's. And you have published. You and Mickey have published with him together on a paper, and so. And, and you're in New Zealand and you're trained in the Bredesen protocol. And so I wanted to share your experiences and then also touch on some of the, the studies that you're doing in your area and, uh, you know, dive into all of this, this, this stuff about Alzheimer's, but also we want to go and explore the the concepts around metabolic health and pre diabetes and diabetes and what you see there. So, Dave, can you just give us a little bit of your background and how did you get to be involved with this this area of of medicine?
0: Um, okay, so I'm qualified from Otago Medical School. I was uh, had a large general practice in uh, in Edgman, Bay of Fenty, and uh, but I got very interested in training and uh, ended up at uh, Auckland Medical School postgraduate learning about how to do good uh, training for nurses and doctors, especially rural nurses Mm -hmm. and doctors. And then long story short, I went surfing to a group of islands called the Mentowai, which is the Disneyland of surfing off Oh, gosh, yeah. And found a lot of children dying right near where my luxury charter boat was, you know. um, And so I started an aid organisation called Surf Aid. That was 21 years ago. Wow. And that's been very successful. Um, and we now have about 90 staff operating in four countries. Our biggest donor is the New Zealand government. So, um, yeah, so that really began my interest in, you know, a lot of children were dying just because their mums didn't have some essential knowledge and essential practices like exclusive breastfeeding or a mosquito net or boiling the water before they drink it. Just real basic stuff. And it started my interest in one is how do you help communities change yep. their, their fundamental health behaviors? Mm-hmm. And that's been a 20 year journey. Wow. Um, and I was very lucky to be, uh, given a, a, a social entrepreneur award that, and, and part of that was called the Rainer Arnold Fellowship. They, they asked the real tough question, well, how do you design a model with the different parts working very eloquently together uh, to get maximum impact for your return on your investment? So we had this return on investment uh, strategy and um, it's been very, very successful. So uh, I was kind of always wanted to set up an aid organisation run by the local people and now we don't have any kind of white people coming in on a white horse saving the day it wasn't like that it was very much grounds up bottom bottom-up community driven
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and now we don't have any uh, expat staff in Indonesia I'm still involved wow. keeping, you know helping where I can but um, so then I started saying oh well what do I do now that 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 was been an incredible journey and I started studying functional medicine mm-hmm this medicine of how to reverse disease. And one look at our Western health stats, we all know. Yeah. I just read another one. By 2030, 85% of Americans will be obese. 85% wow. at That's the rate of. Yeah. So, um, and then my sibling said while I was in remote islands on Indonesia doing malaria programs and things, you better come home, mum's not well, she's forgetting everything. So it turned out mum had, uh, you know, early Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. And I've been studying functional medicine. I thought, well, I'll go out there into the world literature and see if there's anything I can do to help my mum.
1: Yeah.
0: And I found Dale Bredesen's first mm-hmm. publication. Mm-hmm. So I emailed him and uh, he got back to me uh, and he said, look, come over and I'll train you.
1: Wow. And uh <laughs> that
0: was sort of uh what was that, six years ago now? Yep. And we've been over twice and worked along with Side Dale and kind of been uh Mickey and I have been kind of been the lead practitioners in New Zealand and, and in Australia as well. So oh, great. we see a lot of Australian people, see people from Italy and Singapore and Hong Kong and other at times, but mainly it's New Zealand and Australia.
1: Yeah. And I was super excited to find somebody who's versed in the Bredesen protocol here because, you know, uh, you know, obviously done quite a lot of, uh, podcasts around <coughs> brain health and Alzheimer's and dementia and, um, yeah. have a vested interest with my mum, um, yeah. having, having this. So to find someone that's doing it in New Zealand was like, yay, you know, <laughs> finally <laughs> we've got somebody here doing something. Oh, yes. Well, you know, so yeah. So carry on your
0: story. Um, well, so, so that's been. Uh, part, we've been doing the Bredesen protocol. At one stage, we were doing it full time. And then during COVID, we decided to come back to New Zealand, leave Indonesia. And, um, a friend of mine said, Oh, you should, they could really help do with your experience. Um, the iwi here, Nati Pro iwi. Mm-hmm. And he made an introduction. And long story short, I ended up being a GP again, uh, after a long, period of not being, but also being their wellness director. So mm-hmm. we were looking and we have run pilot programs both for the Ngātipurō Iwi and the Tūranga Health Iwi in reversing prediabetes and diabetes using a lifestyle approach that we can talk about in detail. But both those pilots have just in the process of finishing mm-hmm. and uh, they've been very successful. We've had a lot of success in reversing Uh, diabetes, bringing people off medication and giving them a lot more energy and improvement in quality of life. And they will get a huge increase in their life expectancy as well. This is amazing. So so you now we're just asking the question, well, uh, how do we scale this up so that we can make this offer available for the, for at least the 25% of early adopters? Um, you know, it's, it's, it does involve a major shift. Uh, away from current kind of mainstream eating practices, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. so lower carbohydrates, some intermittent fasting, but, um, but also looking at things like stress and sleep and those things that affect your blood glucose levels that so get, get forgotten about, you know, mm, mm. um, and the timing of movement and exercise, the timing of things uh, according to our circadian rhythm. Yep. So we we've delved into the, all of that silent science, which which does run parallel to the Bredesen protocol and the function functional approach and the, the what we call the keto diet, which is what we recommend, which is not all meat, bacon and cheese. No, uh, <laughs> uh, but it's still keto. Yes, and, um, yep. we're not doing strict keto for the reverse diabetes, although people that can do it. Do it. We teach them how to do it. Um, but it's definitely a lower co- carbohydrate. So it's getting below 125 grams a day, preferably below 100 grams. Well, that's still quite high. Yeah. That's still, yeah. Yeah. So we're high. still getting good results at that. And we think that's doable. Um, and certainly in the first stages, and then yeah. bring people on to the keto diet and the second stage of their development. Because what tends to happen is people get very interested. Yep. They're kind of going along, doing what everyone else did, eating their processed foods and yep. their bread. getting and flour. fatter and
1: unhealthier. And, yep. Yeah.
0: And, uh, just doing what everyone's doing mainstream, right? But this really sparks them up and thinks, gee, I didn't know the mechanisms of how this occurs, which we teach them about insulin receptors, just the basics with pictures. Mm. Of, and they go, well, no one ever taught us why mm-hmm. I had diabetes. No, I know. Oh, it, it's just like it's, mind-blowing, yeah. isn't it? No one ever told us. Yeah. And they said, I can have my wheat bix and I can have my fruit.
1: Oh.
0: And <laughs> so um, once you sit them down and walk them through why they can't lose fat because insulin's stopping the lipase fat-burning enzyme, and they go, really, I've uh, I've started to lose all my fat. Yep, because your insulin's dropping, and it all makes sense. And when they start to get results and, and then they get excited and then they go, wow. So you mean, and then people around them get excited. So we document one of the questions we ask them is how many of your far now have started to make healthier behavior changes just from you? And it's always a significant amount. You know, yeah. one of our patients, um, told me the other day, Oh, my husband's 80 kilograms again. He hasn't been that since high school. Wow. Amazing. Um, and so that's what we're looking at is asking those questions. How can we just put fuel under the scaling process, this viral spread of healthy behaviors? Um, and there are real barriers to it, as you know, um, vegetables. Mm. Yeah, you that's are, so expensive. Uh, yeah. Cauliflower, six, seven, eight dollars. Mm. 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 Um, <clears throat> and cauliflower rice is something that people love to have instead of rice. Um, so, you know, we, we're looking with the iwis about uh, teaching how to grow food. And that's what it comes down to. If you want to be healthy and you want it to be affordable, if you don't have enough money to buy out decent vegetables, grow them. Yep. You
1: know, and this and is, yeah. this is going back things. to basics.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a real wholesome thing to do. Wholesome for the family. Wholesome for your children to watch things grow and to nurture things and then to eat healthy food. Yeah. So I I think ultimately it will get down to back to the old thing. I mean, I grew up with a veggie garden. Everyone had a veggie garden. And uh, almost no one has a veggie garden now. Although, So we're getting of an age where the people, my friends are starting to retire. They're putting in veggie gardens. Yeah, Uh, yeah they can have organic veggies so but it. Has i think to a be.
1: lot of us are is definitely um you know i grew up with a, a dad who had a huge organic veggie garden and and he was mm. always the one in charge of that for us and we always had mm. beautiful food and he would go fishing and hunting and uh had a, a couple of sheep and a couple of cows you know on our little um plot there when we grew up and and we were lucky because we had access to that. You know, my dad passed away two and a half years ago and uh I'm like, damn, I didn't learn enough from dad. You know, like, mm. you know, like how do we go hunting? How do we go fishing? How do we, yeah, he taught us as kids, but we've, you know, moved on and forgotten and, and, and having to actually go back and try to teach yourself. I and mean, when you go to the supermarket, you see the price of things. It's mm. horrific. And this is where we're getting like this, Epidemic ob- 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 obesity and obesity leads to, you know, all of these things, the metabolic dysregulation, the, the pre-diabetes and insulin resistance, the diabetes and the diabetes is then the gateway to hell. That's what I call it. The gateway to hell. Cause that's where the Alzheimer's, the cancers, the heart disease, all of those age related and obesity related, uh, illnesses, chronic, illnesses that our medical system really doesn't do well with, with the chronic, um, the chronic sort of stuff. And, and then, and what you're doing is really in the trenches. Like this is really getting down Mm. to behavioral change and getting people to go from a very high, high carb diet. And let's be honest, it's cheaper. It's what everybody's doing. Mm. It's what all the advertising is pushing at you every day. Your wheatbreads, your NutraGrains, your you know your things that you're apparently healthy, mm. and yet we've got people with you know massive problems now. You know, and we're we're getting well when you and I grew up when we were kids. You know, in the seventies, there wasn't many people that were overweight. There were oh. the odd one, and mm. now, like you say, it's just You know, epidemic and this is leading to all of these other things. And so, you know, what you're doing and you, you're reversing diabetes. Now Mm. in my little practice, what I do here, you know, I've, I've helped people reverse their diabetes. It's not rocket science. It just takes education. And, you know, like I had one recently, you know, it's been a diabetic diagnosed like something like 15 years ago. Um, No one ever took the time to explain all that stuff that you just mentioned there about insulin resistance and how the, you know, the body, what happens when you have high blood sugars and how it affects Mm. your cells and how it leads to all of those other diseases. And when they understand that and then they go, right, oh, my God. And then it's a process of ongoing education as you get them to lower the carb levels and you don't go cold turkey necessarily straight out of the gate like you said because you have to transition their body into this new way. Um, and it, it doesn't even require you go full keto sometimes, like like you said.
0: No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't require that. You just got to get that insulin receptor working again, lock and key thing, you know, and um, the lock is being – the lock, the insulin receptor on all our cells actually changes shape. Molecularly, they can tell. So you've got this thing, you've got the lock in there, and it won't open the door they right. so can't get the receptor to work. The glucose can't get into the cell, so it builds up. And what I say to uh, my patients is it builds up. And now you've got a situation where you, your body's got too much sugar in the blood, so it says, okay, better store that for a rainy day just interrupting the show
1: to let you know about our patron community here and the podcast at Pushing the Limits. We've been going for eight years and we really need your support to keep the show on air and free to everybody so that everyone gets this fantastic information uh, from all these great doctors, scientists, athletes, business people from all around the world. So we would love you to come and join us. You get a lot of exclusive member benefits when you do, but really it's about supporting the show and keeping it on air. And for a coffee or two a month, that it would be fantastic if you can come and join us. You can go to com. That's patron.lisatamity.com and check it all out.
0: We explain to patients about the insulin receptor being that it actually changes shape and the, the, the key won't open it anymore. So now you get into a situation where blood sugar won't get into the cells, it's in the blood, and the body just stores that for fat because it thinks, you know, we've got caveman DNA. Mm. And we, we saw that as fat, but also we've got three trillion cells which aren't getting sugar, glucose, we're not getting energy. So what does it do? What are three trillion cells? It sends message to the brain, hey, eat. What? Eat, because I'm starving down here. Eat. So now you've got this vicious, vicious cycle that. Anyone who's been overweight experiences, they experience this this hunger and then the crash after a high-carb meal and feeling sick and the only way to eat is a chocolate bar and they feel a bit better. Um, so they're in a vicious cycle. So I think what's important, it, it is education, but it's how you deliver the education it turns out is really important and um and we're dealing with two uh, Maori iwi and so there's specific ways we're learning how to do that but it has to be knowledge has to be married with a change process right they have to go hand in hand if you go into any any coronary care unit in New Zealand you'll find people who've had a heart attack who've smoked knowing smoking was wrong right mm so it's not just knowledge knowledge is not enough no you have to have knowledge and a behavior change process and then a per- part of that behavior change process is a personalization yeah so that's where we're getting uh we have a huge need now for uh health coaches and and how to one of the questions i just wrote wrote the report for the ewi how do we train You know, to scale this up, how do we train kaifenas like health who will act as health coaches, but in the local context within a Maori health framework? It's a big question. I think we do have some answers, but it's uh, it's definitely one of those things we're going to need to do to scale this up.
1: Yeah, have you talked to um? Just comes to mind, Professor Grant Schofield. Oh yes, yes.
0: No, I was meant to speak uh, at their reverse. Conference, but I couldn't do that. Uh, I was going to reverse uh, about reversing Alzheimer's. Yep. But yeah, there is a good group of uh, people, but th- th- it's a tiny group, right? Yeah, yeah. Compared to in the massive need. Yeah, what we need to do to influence the government. Yeah. To kind of get the support. I mean, on paper, uh, now there is genuine um, response in thinking. And in strategy to reversing diabetes and pre diabetes. But there's not, there's some research grants. So, Grant Schofield, he's got a research grant mm-hmm. looking into it. But we're beyond looking, need to look into it. Yeah, uh, we know.
1: We know we how it know. works. We have yeah.
0: results from New Zealand, Australia, England, America. Uh, GP David Unwin has been reversing diabetes for years and has published hundreds of cases. Wow. Um, and we've got the Verta Health model in America. So that's a totally online virtual program. The person can reverse their diabetes from their living room. Wow. That's cool. So we're looking yep. on, into that model and how to bring it into the Te Health approach. So there's a lot of questions around now, but, um, it's going to get down to government support. Yep. You know, the, I, a lot of us in this field just shake our head and go, how can that documented problem of obesity and diabetes and all that goes with it be such a prevailing disease? And the future of it looks really dismal and the cost of it on the taxpayer. So Price Waterhouse just did a, a, um, study with a tug University. So the average diabetic costs the taxpayer $550,000 in a lifetime.
1: Wow. Geez. Yeah. That yeah. so, doesn't surprise um,
0: me they, at all. You know, it only costs a few thousand dollars to go through a reversal program if we can get them at the pre-diabetes. Level.
1: But what is it that with no. prevention, like we just don't do prevention, you know, like I'm working no. with, uh, so Dr. Elizabeth Harris is trying to get a post concussion, you know, like looking at, uh, people who have mm. had concussions, getting them into a program so that we can mm. start to protect them from the get go and be proactive mm. in rehabilitating their brains instead of waiting until they've got some major issues and just waiting and seeing approach, which is most of the approach at the moment. And just, you know, like you just, just. Pushing the proverbial uphill, you know, there's just no, there's just no, and I don't know why there's this inertia. I mean, in the in the with the diabetes and things, it's is it coming from the big food industry? Are they pushing back uh, or so,
0: look, lobbying? Yeah, I don't know. You have to look. You have to look, go out and look in, right, right, from the outside, in. and and yeah, follow the money. Will get you a long way down the answer of why, how did we get here? Um some bad science that was, you know, the last. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that was promoted by food companies, especially, you know, Kellogg's and mm. um and i might, I might totally go back through the history, you'll see you can name names. It's all there. Um and so yeah the food companies promoted this low fat um you know, high carbohydrate diet that most people eat now or most people, the trouble is most people eat high fat, high carb. Yeah,
1: both is <laughs> high. <laughs> yeah.
0: Huge calorie. I mean, they're doing the worst of the worst. Um, and so yeah, that was allowed to propagate without decent government scrutiny, without, um, the scientists were saying this is wrong, it took years. Um, and so we're still there. We're That's- still there where people think that their heart, eggs are going to kill them of a heart attack. Yeah. And, um, you know, the good so. the
1: good things like eggs and then yeah. the but eat your um your cereals, you know, yeah. your high grains, high sugar cereals and then they oh, fortified with iron or something. ridiculous. Yes. You know, like yes. and, and promoted by nutritionists on television. Yes.
0: The other thing is that I think there's a couple of other big thing factors is that, and, and and our, uh, the medical, the medical situation is that we are not rewarded or encouraged to take on lifestyle medicine, behavior change, reversal program. We get 15 minutes to see a patient. And I cannot reverse diabetes with 15 minutes. <laughs> um. I can diagnose it and I can treat it with drugs and I can monitor it. But, you know, it takes longer than that. So in my toolbox of the average GP is drugs. Now, it, there are some things where that's changing a little bit. Um, and we, like I say, we've started to work in our clinic. We now have someone training as a health coach. And I think a lot of clinics now do have health coaches and that's a major, major improvement. But medical orthodoxy, quite rightly, in some ways, we're very conservative. And um, the only people that have got money to do these stage three trials are drug companies. Mm-hmm. It's it's rare, it does happen, but it's rare to get trials up and running to stage three without drug company. So you have the situation where the only proof of therapeutic effect is from drugs. Mm. So that's the only thing we have or surgery. And it's the only thing we have in our toolbox. Um, and that's where the money is, of course. Yep.
1: And this is a, you know, like just, just, just systemic problems, but let, let, you know, let's go and actually have a look at some of the implications for this. Like, so, you know, if we go back to the Alzheimer's story with uh, Dr. Dale Bredesen and the protocol, like, you know, he's got people now who are the first survivors of Alzheimer's. Now, why mm. is Alzheimer's related to diabetes and insulin resistance what, and obesity? <laughs> Explain that to people. Cause a lot of people don't even connect those two dots um, that, that, this leads to an increased risk and cancer and cardiovascular disease, by the way, you know all of these things are increased risk um, so yeah, talk to us a little bit about your work with uh, some of the some of the alzheimer 's patients and being able to reverse alzheimer 's um, and and you know share a little bit of that that study and stuff that you did with with Dale
0: yes, yeah, so after training with Dale, uh, we began to see. He got around quite quickly, you know, he wrote two books and people wanted to know what is this uh, Bredesen Protocol. So we got contacted a lot and we've developed a system for patients. Um, And what we do is just what he basically have taught is look at the multitude of factors called perturbations that are impacting on the brain, that are causing the brain to be inflamed so mm-hmm. inflammation is part of it insulin resistance in the brain so the brain cells aren't getting energy mm-hmm. and then toxicities as well those would be the three major things yep and so you therefore break that up let's look at inflammation why is someone inflamed well when someone's overweight they produce too many inf- inflammogens so they get inflamed mm-hmm. or they may have um problems in their gut. So they have what's called leaky gut. So most of us aren't eating enough fiber or we've been, had too many antibiotics in our life. And then we get a leaky brain. Mm-hmm. So when we get a leaky gut, we get a leaky brain, meaning those things the brain was uh, was able to keep out of the brain. Things like mercury and mold spores are now getting in through the holes and mm-hmm. inflaming the brain. Mm-hmm. So we're getting this gut-brain access. It's huge. And not only in Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease now, which is actually rapidly growing in its insulin. Yeah. Yep. Um, And so we've got to look at the gut. So we do leaky gut tests and ask the question, what's wrong with your gut and how can we help you improve it? So gut inflammation, insulin resistance, as you know, if you're diabetics, you're three times likely to get uh, alzheimer's disease so you've got even if you don't have diabetes the disease process of alzheimer's causes insulin resistance in the brain so now the brain cells aren't getting glucose so you have to they're starved and so when starved brain cells they go into stress and they start to they start to That's die right. basically yeah you know and retract yes so we have to look at at all of those issues. And then we run some toxic usually do toxin screens to mm-hmm. see if there's toxic, toxicity. Yep. And we've found in New Zealand and Australia that mold is a very common uh, cause. And there's a particular pattern of people who come with mold. And it's linked to mercury, and we've t- talked mm. to other practitioners as well. Mm. People have, you know, like in the tropics and remote places, they have mold. It's moist, um, but they don't get these mold illnesses. And it's somehow mm. linked to perhaps the amalgams that we put wow. in, in our teeth. Okay. There's some combination of mercury and mold together. Whether we, We're not quite sure how it works, but we always see I can't think of a case where we've had mold illness without a a mercury being involved.
1: Wow. Okay, it so it be. seems to
0: yeah. be combined. They combine, mm. and um, maybe they're over stretching our uh, detox system. The people that get into trouble often have the genetic, the MTFR yep. genes, so we know that they don't detox very well. Yep. Um, and so it might be those people are the ones that are getting into trouble.
1: Also, the GST family of genes, look into those ones, the GST mm. T1, P1 and M1, They they're a big major factor too in the, that detoxification process, mm. you know, alongside the methylation genes.
0: Um, yeah. So we're yeah. looking at inflammatory, inflammatory pathways, toxin pathways, genetic pathways, mm-hmm. the gut. Um, And then common things, and you'd be surprised. Like vitamin D, you know how many people are low or normal in vitamin D, the sunshine molecule. And there are millions of receptors on brain cells for vitamin D that, and it and it locks in and actually changes the DNA, changes the genetic expression.
1: Wow. okay, I didn't know that that's a new one. you know yeah. I know vitamin D does a thousand literally a thousand different things in the in the body, but that's mm. actually in the brain receptors
0: yep, they have brain receptors for vitamin D, and what people don't realize is it's not a vitamin it's a neuropeptide. it acts mm. like a hormone mm-hmm. uh, one of the ways it works and so so simple lifestyle things like that you know we uh, about seventy five percent of us will be vitamin D. Yep, Depression. Either deficient or almost deficient by springtime, getting yep. through winter. Yep, and you talk to people it's so cheap and easy to do. Like- yeah, and you but you do have to make an effort. Like winter time, you have to make a real effort between eleven and two o'clock to get out into that sun with your shirt off. And you, you were white paley legs. I was throwing frisbee on the <laughs> beach the other day. Yeah. yeah, we were we were laughing because I, I we had a nice warm sunny day and we're throwing a frisbee around on the beach, and look down, look how white my legs are. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, you have to make an effort, and it's better from the sun rather than um a supplement.
1: Yes, or although you know, like I think like there's genetic factors in there too, and. Mm. A lot of people, you know, I, I had a discussion with Dr. David Minkoff this a while back, and he's a doctor in, in uh, Florida um, who's tested everybody for glyphosate, so Roundup, you know, mm-hmm. poisoning over the last thirty years. And his theory, or one of his theories, is is that because he's Constantly seeing people with vitamin D deficiencies, and he lives. They live in Florida. He lives in Florida. He's an Ironman athlete. He was deficient in vitamin D, and he's like, "What the heck's mm-hmm. going on here? I've got enough sunshine. That's not the problem." Um, and and there's you know the genetic receptors. There's the geni- three. There's yeah. three different things. But but beyond that, he he believes that glyphosate may be playing a role here in blocking uh-huh. the conversion of the, the inactive to the active form of vitamin D. He hasn't yeah. got, uh, conclusive proof of that, but there's something in the environment that even when we're getting the sunshine is stopping people converting into that active form. So, and I, and I, and I also think like I import, um, a, a high dose vitamin D3 plus K2, uh, yeah. supplement into my range. And I, you know, like vitamin D3 is available on every street corner, but it doesn't often have K2 in it. The MK, uh, seven, Uh, version of that and and i believe that we're really needing to be looking at the five to ten thousand iu range um getting yourself tested being under a doctor all of that sort of stuff but that that higher dose like the one thousand is just a drop in the bucket for a lot of people and you can be taking like i've got mum on ten thousand ius that's anti-cancer that's brain function, that's immune function, that's all of those sorts of things, especially mm. in winter she's on 10,000, and even in the summer because she doesn't get a lot of skin exposure, you know, because she wears long trousers and, you know, mm. won't go out in her shorts at 80. Um, so, yeah, I think there's, there's, uh, there's, a, there's a little bit more to, to that whole problem. And then Maori.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, I've done my genetics. I'm very poor, vitamin D. Activator and transporter and receptor. So yeah. I, I take the 10,000 I use a day. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's understanding these things. And, and how does that play in the brain? What is it actually doing in the brain, the vitamin D th- there?
0: Um, so there are millions of vitamin D receptors on neurons, and it locks in and sends a message to the, what we call epigenetic message mm-hmm. to the DNA. Mm hmm to turn on um, what we call cynoblasty so the creation of new neurons. Wow. And help to reduce inflammation. Um, and then there's a whole lot of unknowns <laughs> as what to how, yeah. how it works. In fact, Dale probably would have been able to answer that uh, better yeah. at molecular structure. Yep. Yeah. Um, because that's the, that's the domain of neuroscientists. Yeah,
1: neuroscientists. Yeah. We can
0: tell from the epidemiology that when you're low in vitamin D, yes, like you say, there's a myriad of diseases that are much more common, including a lot of the common cancers, hmm. including diabetes. Wow. So part of our pilot, we did measure vitamin D and we had trouble measuring it. You, you, the labs don't want to do it. And um, which is just crazy. And you have yeah. to pay if they will do it, you have to yep. pay thirty five dollars. Yep. Which for um, some people
1: is is a is a you know, you you, you can't, you know, if you don't
0: have the on money top of you of can't do with everything else you're paying for. Exactly. So, yeah. So anyway, vitamin we did find vitamin D deficiency in our Maori population, no surprise. And um so you yeah, they have to get out there and uh, you know, really, really and for them. It's even harder, to, as you know, to get the, enough ultraviolet to convert.
1: Yeah, because our browner, darker skin yeah. inhibits that. Yeah. 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 And this is why, you know, like if, if and even in the recent pandemic, you know, wouldn't it have been great if the government had gone, hey, everybody, get on vitamin D and here's some vitamin D.
0: Yes.
1: <laughs> Hand it out, you know. Yes. Test people's levels, get them checked, get them up there, because that is one of the things that's easy, simple, doesn't cost
0: the heck of a lot of money. Yeah, I was yeah. asked by to give a, a presentation to a large corporate, and the question was, what is the most single most cost-effective thing we can do to help our people through winter? And it was vitamin D. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, because it's you drop your viral infections down by forty percent. Wow. Uh, your absenteeism from viral infections, and so. How that's simple! Massive. I was encouraging the company get people tested, and instead of wine gums and chocolates in your cafeteria, provide vitamin D. <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah, it's just it's just gold. Love it. Love it. Yeah, and it's just so simple, and it's a trophic support too, because that's one of the other things that um, goes south when you've got Alzheimer's. Is some of the trophic, you know, there's some of the hormonal support systems. Can you can you yeah. talk to anything? That's a little bit more complicated, obviously. To, it is. So to, I think
0: what I said was like the cynoblasty. So that's trophic support. The ability of the brain to create new neuronal neurites, new neuronal outreaches to talk to the next neighboring brain cell, that's mm-hmm. synapse where the the neurotransmitters are converting over and, and giving them, you know, help to create new memories, that needs trophic support. And that's hormones, amongst other things, and the vitamin D. That's how it acts as a neuro, it's called a neuropeptide. Mm-hmm. Um, And, yeah, so that's one of the things that it, it, it's doing, is supporting the development of brain yes. cells. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. And, 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 like, with the cases that you published with, you know, I think there were 10 cases that you were yes. involved in in that study. Yes. Uh, that was, you know, worldwide publication, 100 people who have reversed Alzheimer's, with Dr. Dale and you and Mickey were involved with 10 of those cases, which is pretty right. impressive, but <laughs> well done. Um, <laughs> what were some of the results that you saw? Like people's lives changed, you know? So, so for someone who's sitting out there now, who's got a mum, a dad, a, a brother, a sister, someone who's just been diagnosed with Alzheimer's, what would you say to them? Like, can you give us some experience there on, on what, what can be done? And, um, what you've seen what you've actually seen
0: so the first thing is you know get it early so when someone's diagnosed with alzheimer's if you take detailed history on average the family beyond the person themselves the family noticed something four years beforehand Mm -hmm. okay so you have a four-year window so when mum starts repeating herself in the same conversation or she got lost once in a car park at the supermarket, which we can all do, but when you add it up, get very suspicious uh, that there's something going on, and get tested. That's the whole thing. What um, you know, what we find is when we do test, we find a myriad of problems. Always, okay?
1: Yeah, all <laughs> so, of us have something. Um,
0: whether it's the vitamin D, the low zinc, the poor gut, and on and on and on, we always find a series of things. And the good news is most of them are correctable. Um, The ones, the tougher ones, we can improve upon. The mercury and Dale says we've toxic. got to just get the seesaw tilting back for the brain to start, you know, take the toxicity away, support the trophic, the support of the brain cells, and you can get reversals, so the number one thing was get tested early. we had get better response with people if we get them early in the mild cognitive impairment response that's consistent with every other practitioner I've ever talked to in Dale um, so get it early, don't wait around, and if your doctor says there's nothing that can be done don't don't Thank accept that <laughs> don't accept that. Um, read, learn, empower yourself, get Dale's book. Um, and then get tested. And it is complex. There's no doubt about that. So it, it takes a commitment. You have to gather what support you've got around you, the family, the ones that have done the best in our experience. Uh, they have a strong family support. The kids are on board. The partner's on board. They're all helping each other to achieve, you know, the, just the testing is quite onerous. You know, you got to do a urine test for, you know, a series of blood tests, you got to do a vision test on the computer screen, you got a cognitive test. Um, so you have to, you know, make a commitment, uh, get tested, find a practitioner. And I'm not self promoting here, but there, there are, I think there are two or three. Um, and that's a problem we can talk about because it yeah, is, is a complex. Mm. The pra- there's Quite a few practitioners have trained, but now they don't want to do it. Yeah. It's yeah. too much. Yeah. So you have to – we found that it was best to be dedicated. So we have a dedicated Alzheimer's program that we've worked out over the years. We have systems in place, and we warn people, look, you know, this is what it will take. And it will take a large commitment of time, effort and money, unfortunately, because the tests are expensive and they're, they're only getting more and more expensive. Mm. But mm. for us to be able to help someone, we need to know, do they have leaky gut? Do yeah. they have high mercury? How can we target and personalize? A program without knowing those facts. So unfortunately, it, it is getting down to people who have very good support from partners and family and friends, a good doctor who's well trained and experienced and enough money yep. to be able to, you know, the big into the big things that, or well, the things that make a big difference. A lot of them don't cost a lot of money. You know, the keto diet, intermittent fasting doing more exercise and brain training. Those things are fundamental to good brain health. And So
1: that's maybe where, where people need to start because if they're listening to yes. this and they don't have the money yes. and they don't have the resources, this is what you can do now and it will yes. make a big – yes, you might get more if you're working. Or you will get more if you're working with a good practitioner and you're able to get all of that and we can get much more nuanced. But yes. if, if you are listening and you don't have the resources – Start with a diet, start with the exercise, start with cold water therapies and you know, saunas if you can get into them, or hot water and baths and everything that is going to support that <clears throat> detoxification process, everything that's going to support a healthy diet and metabolic health, those are the places that we can start in vitamin D's and zinc. Zinc is another one. Explain that's actually good. why why zinc why is zinc important.
0: Well, what's interesting, and a lot of even neurologists don't know this, the area in the body that has the highest concentration of zinc is the hippocampus right in here. And it's the area that is very important in the creation of memories. It's the area that we see start to shrink, usually first. And when you get the volume on the MRI scans, Mm -hmm. the hippocampus has shrunk on a lot Mm -hmm. of these patients. And that's just brain cells dying, right? It's just shrinking. And uh zinc is there essential for the creation of new memories. Absolutely wow. essential. Wow.
1: Okay. And the
0: problem is that a lot of people have the APO4 gene. Mm-hmm. So, and that makes them, you know, likely more likely to get Alzheimer's. That impacts the absorption of vitamin uh, uh sorry, zinc.
1: Oh. Is that
0: one of the mechanisms of why that's a problem? Yes. Yes. And and uh, then they have higher copper levels Uh often, and that impedes the zinc. So it's actually the Uh zinc copper ratio that's important. Yep. So um, we found I had a patient the other day, uh, you know, and even within general practice, um, just if I do have someone who's super motivated. We checked her zinc levels out. She's got mild cognitive impairment. She had pre-diabetes. She's reversed it on Brilliant. the ketone.
1: She's Amazing. making
0: ketones again. Mm-hmm. And we've got her brain training. And um, she doesn't have much money. And so we said, well, let's do these basic things. She was super keen, but yeah. So I've just put her on zinc and I can you know, prescribe zinc for her. And uh and so the basic things are the exercises really Probably the number one thing, if we look at the risk factors, the things that you can do, when they did a study on super athletes, it's very rare for a super athlete to get Alzheimer's. Yeah. Right? Yep. Very rare. we got
1: blood flow. <laughs> we got oxygen, blood flow.
0: Yeah, yeah that's the number one Detox. thing. If you've got a bad family history of Alzheimer's, you may have done the gene, you've got APO4, be the fittest you can be. Number one thing. Then you're not going to be. The chances are you can't be the fittest. You can be um, without without being with being obese. So you're going to be slim. Your blood pressure is probably going to be under good control. Your blood lipids are going to be good. You're fit. You're healthy. You're energized. Um, and your chances of Alzheimer's are very slim. They're still there, but then if you add on top of that some basic testings because that person I guess that person the only way they could really get into trouble is if they've got high toxins. They could get they could have yep. a mold illness. Yeah, yeah. Very high mercury. What
1: test do you use to do mold um assessment? You know, like uh, for a toxicity um panel. What which one do you use? Right.
0: So we're looking for a condition called CIRS, C-I-R-S, mm-hmm. which stands mm-hmm. for chronic inflammatory response syndrome. Mm-hmm. It's a syndrome that's now well described, interestingly enough, well accepted by the Australian government who just did a huge uh, well a couple of years ago now. they did an investigation and they asked that is mold giving in it is this mold illness real mm-hmm. and but it's not only mold, um, Lyme disease can cause it as yep. well. so it's the body's. Overreaction to a couple of uh, toxins or in, in Lyme disease and an infection. But a mold, it's the mycotoxins, minute, it's not molds. It's the toxins inside the, the mold. Mm-hmm. And uh, they are released into the atmosphere. We breathe them in. Mm-hmm. And if you're genetically vulnerable, you will create this huge inflammatory response. Yep. So when we're measuring it, we're measuring for mycotoxins in the urine. Mm-hmm. And we're also looking for that inflammatory marker. Okay. So we get the mold, we confirm the mold in the urine. We confirm they've over responded. And then we do a thing called a visual contrast sensitivity test. Mm-hmm which is a useful test, which is really just detecting the shades of gray because the toxins and the inflammation in the back of the eye and the retina impact the ability to detect visual contrast, Mm. shades of gray. Mm -hmm. If people want to do this test, they can at home. Mm. Just go, I think it's just VCS, but just go visual contrast sensitivity test. Google that. Mm -hmm. There's a free one you can do online, you've got to set your computer up and be a certain distance from it. Yep. Um it pays to spend, I think it's fifteen dollars or twenty-five dollars and do the paid version because they'll send you a report and they'll analyze your results wow. and it'll tell you whether they think you have you're at risk of SERS or whether you've got toxins.
1: Right. That's a brilliant thing. And, you know, relatively yeah, it's a good screening
0: option. device. If someone's going, you know, i I wonder if I've got mold illness. I have got a that's bit of cool. mold. Um, yeah. and my brain's not working very well. Um, people with mold illness have a different way of presenting. Their symptoms are often executive function, meaning they're having trouble planning. Mm -hmm. And, you know, using this front part of the brain, sometimes their memory to begin with is okay, but they get confused and overwhelmed with complex tasks and with planning.
1: Just interrupting the show to let you know about my longevity and anti aging supplement range. I'd love you to go and check it out. Go to my website, lisatarmity.com and hit the shop button, and you'll see a curated range of supplements the latest in anti aging, longevity, health optimization, performance optimization. I've gone out into the world, interviewed the most amazing doctors and scientists, as you'll know if you follow the show, and gone and got some of the best products that are out there. Stuff that I give to my family. what's in my range. So go and check it out at lisatarmity.com. Mm,
0: okay. So um I had a one of our, one of those 10 cases was a woman in Christchurch. She was just 58. She was a um had a big job as a project manager for the health board down there. She was running various projects. Her job was planning.
1: God. Um,
0: and she said to me, you know, my memory's okay, but these things have been happening and I got very suspicious. Just and it's often um just after menopause in a woman. Yep. And so after there's been some yep. stressful episode mm-hmm. has somehow precipitated it. Um could it be a lot lose lose a, a spouse or a job or lose your house falling down a cliff <laughs> um, yeah. from too many rains. <laughs> it's usually a stressful situation in the mid-50s, this executive function rather than memory loss is it it will go on to get memory loss. Mm-hmm. Um our last patient with SERS um presented with epilepsy. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the wife actually and and vague thinking, very smart man, just couldn't get lost their his thinking together. He would describe it as I just can't think, um, was orientated, had reasonable memory, but just couldn't think, solve problems, um, and plan. And he was fitting in the night. His wife sent me a video of him fitting, and the neurologist couldn't explain it. He'd seen several neurologists. He'd, they accepted, they'd be put on anti-epileptic medication. Oh, God. But, uh, he responded very well to program and he's not no, no longer having epilepsy and his mind his is clear. Keto that,
1: diet, help and,
0: plan. uh, yeah, he had toxins and various other things, but his main thing was mold. They had to do, fortunately they could afford it. They had to completely renovate their house, get rid of the mold, bring in expensive filters. Yep. But they did it all, had a very supportive uh, partner. They did it all and he started to come right. Wow. And you could see his visual contrast sensitivity started to improve.
1: Wow, that's amazing. You can amazing. see
0: it in the, in the tests. You see. Is,
1: is there any sort of protocols that you use to get mold out of the body? Because oh, mold's yeah. are an area I haven't dived into in my practice. So yes, no,
0: haven't... there's specific ways of getting rid of mold. But the first thing we say to people, what's the point? Here's your urine mycotoxin level. It's through the roof. Mm. Here's your inflammatory markers through the roof. You've got SERS by diagnosis, by by criteria. The first thing is to stop exposure. Yeah, you can't. You know, and that's people. the hardest thing. We've got someone at the moment. He's got two houses. He's got a reasonable amount of money. Very smart man. He's only in his 50s, late 50s. And we keep saying to him, you're not going to improve until you get out of that house. Mm. They had a massive leak. They've only got a little bit of visible mold. And that's the other thing. It doesn't, if you don't have visible mold, it doesn't mean you don't have mycotoxins in your no, house. No, no. In fact, the majority of cases you don't. But when we do mold swabbing of your house, you've got a lot there. Wow. So we use a different, so that's the first thing you have to reduce your exposure. And, you know, we've had people have had to sell up their houses and move houses. There are many stories of people living in camper vans and in tents, um, until they can find a place that doesn't have high levels of mold. Um, and then there are filters that you can get for your house that will suck up some of the mold and dehumidify your house, of course. Mm. Yep. Um, and then when it comes to the body, um, there are, Uh, clay-like substances and zeolite substances mm -hmm. that will bind the mycotoxins.
1: So bentonite clay and uh, zeolite.
0: Yes, zeolite. Um, But again, just swallowing zeolite is not going to work. You have to have a dedicated protocol. The other thing that helps is a thing called Dr. Yu, and there's a YouTube on this, Dr. Yu's sauna protocol. Mm Mm-hmm. Using near infrared sauna, taking some. What you do is take some si- niacin. Yep. To enough to give you um, some flushing. Flush,
1: yep.
0: And you've got to start small. I warn people. Yeah, with yeah. Those.
1: <laughs> I've done that wrong before.
0: <laughs> yeah, then you, you feel a little bit of flushing. Yeah. And then you do some vigorous exercise. Yeah. Get yourself in front of a near infrared sauna, a portable one. Yeah, I've got yep. one here. Yep. I've actually had mold illness myself. Oh wow. Um, my mycotoxins were through the roof, and we had lived in a moldy home and we had to get out. Yep, yeah. in fact, we've moved twice because the next house turned out the next set of rains was leaky, so we got out of that. And um, Now you just
1: falling down the hill, god. yeah. Now the <laughs> house
0: is falling down there. We finally get into a mold free house,
1: oh, and dear.
0: falling down the hill from uh, from rains. Oh, god, so yeah. um, yeah, you have to get. Reduce your exposure and you because the mycotoxins are recycling. What they do is they store in the fat and they're constantly recycling. They go in through your blood, into your bile, into your gut, get reabsorbed, recycle, get put back into areas of fat, your fat and the brain is fat. Mm, Brain. Mm. Um so you have to capture them as they're going through the gut. So there is actually an old fashioned drug. Cholestyramine um, that we sometimes use, but mainly it's uh, bentonite clay and the zeolites and charcoal activated and charcoal. charcoal. Yep. So the doctor used protocol was niacin, exercise, sauna, and a binder of charcoal afterwards, because you'll also sweat out the toxins in your sweat. So when you're having a near infrared sauna, the red light is releasing the toxin and the mercury. It'll penetrate into your fat layer and release it, and those toxins will find their way into the gut. So then you bind them with the mycotoxins. Oh, uh, so sorry, very you bind them with the with the charcoal. The protocol that's order. been Yeah, it's been quite well proven. They did um tests on poor old Iraqi soldiers coming back and they took fat biopsies and then they ran a whole series of detox protocols and they found this one was the most effective.
1: Dr. Yu's. I'll have a look yeah, at that one. Yeah, there's a YouTube
0: yeah. on Dr. Yu's detox protocol. They'll find that goes through the whole thing of how to do it.
1: Well, that's gold actually, Dave. Mm. Wow. This, I mean, we've gone all over the show. I'm going to have to have. <laughs> wrap it up and, and do a part two, I think, because we haven't got to, to some of the juicy parts, but this has been, this has been very valuable. So the takeaways from today, just to wrap it up, uh, you know, the mold thing, I think that's a huge thing that people are probably not even on their radar. Um, so go and do that test, that that visual test, and mm, then the and, test. and then have a look at Doctor Yu's detox protocols because that's yep. quite. I mean, you know, saunas maybe the difficult piece there, but the other things the nice, and the exercise, the bentonite clay, they're all pretty accessible. Um, and and then the trophic factors, and we didn't get onto hormones because hormones play a big role in the brain as well mm-hmm. and, and supporting brain function. Maybe we can do that in part two. Mm-hmm. But um, the, And then when we talked about the keto diet and not the bodybuilder type of keto where you're pounding bacon and butter and <laughs> cream yeah. every day, uh, more the, what did you call it? The the ketotarian, meaning Ketotarian, I love yeah. that. Lots of Vegetables
0: grown above the ground.
1: Tecnoterium, vegetables above the ground, lots of leafy greens alongside the small, you know, good portions of quality protein and some good oils, basically, yes. you know, and yes. getting rid of the process, getting rid of the grains yes. when possible, getting rid of the carbs, the higher carb uh, foods. Uh, and, and easing your way into that and to understanding these processes. And then we also talked about the insulin resistance and what's actually happening there in the body and in the brain. And, uh, you know, and, some of the problems that we've, you know, got in the system of how and why we're not picking this up and why we're not doing something. You know, I said, Dave, this has been absolutely, uh, you know, astounding. And I just, you know, want to say amazing work on that surveyed, um, International and, and, and the work that you've done there, you're a a true humanitarian, a true, um, altruistic person who's really, you know, in the trenches doing the hard work. And now with the iwis over there, um, working and, and, and changing lives and, and, you know, reversing diabetes and slowing Alzheimer's and reversing Alzheimer's, you know, all this is absolutely impacting people's lives massively. But you're one of the workers in the trenches, you know.
0: Um, yeah. no one's probably, like sometimes. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, but th- th- these are the people, in my opinion, that should be getting the dames and the sirs and the, the things, you know, the, 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 the accolades. And, and unfortunately that doesn't usually happen. It goes to the more high profile people, but you definitely one of those people that deserves, um, all those, those, those types of things. But so thanks for, for, um, sharing your experience today. Um, you're welcome. Yeah. And I, I, I really hope that, you know, it's going to be okay and that things come right for you there. Cause that's the last thing you need on your plate. Um, and, and I'd love to do another session, you know, and, and, um, um, you know, finish the story on what else can we do? What else can we do? And what can we do at home when we don't have the practitioners, you know, because yeah. there is a lack, there's a lack of people that are, are doing the full, Alzheimer's protocols and Bridgeson protocols, and there's you know so, but there are things that we can do even if we don't have access to the to 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 yourself or to Dale, you know. But when if people do want to reach out and do want to work with you, are you able to take any? You, have you got bandwidth uh, for taking do, people? We, we do.
0: It's it's limited, but we do. Um, our website's revitahealth.co.nz. R e v i t a health.co.nz. Um, and so they can send us an email that way.
1: Brilliant. Brilliant. So if you're wanting to work with Dr. Dave and Mickey, um, that would be the best place to reach out to get in quick. I'd say <laughs> before yeah, you run yeah. out of bandwidth. <laughs> this is yeah. the problem I have. Like I, I, I work with lots of doctors and people all around the planet with different things with cancers and Alzheimer's and things and brains. Uh, and each one of them just hits the roof and, in they're, they're the bandwidth, you know, that, that, yeah. And the scalability of these things is the hardest, the hardest thing because it takes behavioral change. And, and even in my own practice of what I do, I hit the, the ceiling constantly. You know, there's constantly a waiting list. There's constantly, you know, there's just not enough of you to go around to be oh. able to actually make the big enough impact. You know, I can share the knowledge. But this is why this these these platforms and podcasts are great, because at least people get to start researching themselves and start to take control and start the more they listen, the more they learn, the more they are able to take some action themselves, you know. So that's really powerful. So thanks, yeah, Dave, for your the time key today.
0: Message, uh, key messages um, Alzheimer's and many of the other dimensions are largely, I would say not totally, largely reversible. And largely preventable even better still especially if you've got a f- strong family history and yeah so let's structure, a bit more structured the next podcast about what someone can do if they've got a uh, family history of Alzheimer's or dementia. That's what we'll do yep, yeah. so, so we have yeah. a
1: bit more structure and don't end yeah, up we'll, in 10 we'll, rabbit holes. we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll plot <laughs> it out <laughs> That's absolutely brilliant. Thanks Dr. Dave for your time today, it's been okay. absolutely
0: fabulous You're welcome. Alright, bye bye That's it this week for Pushing the Limits. Be sure to rate, review and share with your friends. Head over and visit Lisa and her team at lisatamati.com.